One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm your host for today. I'm joined by Sam Leverage as we speak, as we look ahead to Spain's second World Cup tie in the group stage against none other than Germany. First of all, Sam, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Rory. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, I have to say. I'm quite enjoying the World Cup. It's been uh, entertaining for those that said the group stages would be boring. There's uh, certainly more going on than some people had diagnosed. What about yourself? Have you had any highlights from the sort of opening round? We're just into the second round now. Um, or just from Luis Enrique's Twitch stream, which is equally as entertaining. I think Luis Enrique's Twitch stream is probably the best thing about this World Cup. I think we need it. <laughs> Every World Cup, we need a random international team manager to start up a Twitch and, <laughs> and stream their thoughts. But no, it's been really good entertainment. And I mean, that's the thing. It hasn't been necessarily that insightful tactically or anything like that. You don't get real vision into the Spain camp, but you can kind of imagine what it's like if the coach is coming on Twitch and having a laugh and showing his fantasy football team with a certain striker who some people aren't too happy that he's not in Qatar and you can imagine the kind of atmosphere they've got going on there with the Spain camp and definitely looks like it's good fun to be there It's pretty comical it has to be said somebody asked Luis Enrique uh, what would happen if Ferran Torres did the sort of chupete celebration if he uh, put his thumb in his mouth to indicate that his partner was pregnant his partner of course being Saida Martinez who is Luis Enrique's daughter and he said that he would never set foot on a pitch again um, if he was to find out that way um, which was my personal favourite from, from this kind of few days section of Luis Enrique and his Twitch stream yeah, and if you're, if you're to... Ferran Torres you're definitely semi-considering it just for the laughs and semi-fearful <laughs> that you'll never play in the World Cup again <laughs> your Spain career it, w- it would be one of the all-time iconic celebrations <laughs> if he did do it um, but but yes uh, moving on to sort of the football Germany Obviously lost 2-1 to Japan. We're going to have Adam Kahn on later to sort of assess how things have gone down against uh, or in uh, in Germany and, and how that reaction has been across there. But how do you see this Germany side matching up to Spain? I mean, Germany, since Hansi Flick has taken over, they were sort of fairly good in the opening stages. They won sort of most of their opening seven, eight games. And then they've been on a less impressive run, it has to be said. They've not been beaten too often. Um, until that Japan game it was. Yeah, how does this Spain match up to a Germany side that we've seen be good in 
straight, but also this Spain side beat them 6-0 and they're not too distant past. Yeah, I think there's going to be a real contrast, even just in terms of the mentality, because I think the Spain team is very, very confident. They're not feeling the pressure. I think that's something that Luis Enrique is managing superbly. I mean, linking to his Twitch stream, I think that's the reason behind it, to take the pressure off the players. And I think they're really enjoying the experience. So I think we're going to see a Spain team that go out there confident, not feeling any pressure that they have to get the result. And on the other side, you're going to have a German team who know that it's do or die, basically. I mean, Japan play Costa Rica on Sunday morning, so you might already know the result. But my prediction would be for a Japan win in that one. And then if that's the case, then it's basically that Germany have to win if they want to have any chance of going through. And and that's a lot of pressure on that German team. And some of those players in that German team are very young at their first World Cup. And that's a lot of pressure. I mean, that's exactly what Spain have managed to avoid by getting that big win over Costa Rica, is that those young players can kind of build up their confidence, feel a bit more at home and so on. And I think that's what we could see in, in players like Gavi and Pedri, who were thriving on that stage. And with Germany, after the pressure of losing to Japan and and the pressure of the all the talk in the headlines and so on in Germany in the last few days, I think we're going to see some equally talented players. I mean, Salah, for example, is a, an excellent player and we'll see him up against other youngsters like Gavi and Pedri. But I think Gavi and Pedri are far more likely to shine and, and show what they can do than another teenager who feels the, the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, you spoke about sort of confidence that this Spain side has been able to build and it was really impressive. They were flying around the pitch. I think it's just it was the game that I've seen the most kind of one or two touch passes in, in quite some time where there was just so much confidence that they were going to hit their man with the pass, that they were they knew exactly what they wanted to do with the ball. It's it's pretty rare these days in football that you see some a team play one touch as much as Spain were. But that was part of the of the sort of yeah impressive nature of that victory. Costa Rica, it's hard to assess because I mean it was said by many people that this could have been a game that Spain struggled in if Costa Rica sit deep, if they frustrate Spain. It's the smaller sides that Luis Enrique's side have looked less impressive against. How much of this euphoria is genuine, do you think, in terms of how much of this performance can we take against Costa Rica and, and yeah, use that as an assessment for this Germany match? I think it's very hard to take too much from that game, I think, because, yeah, I mean, we look back and, I mean, I remember we did the preview podcast for the Costa Rica game, and I don't think anybody was expecting a thrashing for Spain. I think we were talking about a tight game where Spain would probably win, but we wouldn't see too many goals. And I know in the media, I mean, Gary Neville very famously saying that he didn't see Spain scoring. Um, but, I mean, nobody expected it to be quite so thrilling, quite so convincing for Spain. And so it's hard to kind of take too much away from that game. But I think we can see that this is a Spain team that are going to attack. I mean, we've seen them look a little bit turgid, a little bit stodgy, a little bit not being able to break through teams that play with a low block. I don't think Germany can afford to play with a, a low block. So I think this is a game where Spain do kind of have that opportunity to, to play their own game, play the game on their own terms and look to try and enjoy themselves again. I mean, obviously against Germany, it's a much more challenging test, but... I think they will be able and they will have the opportunities to dictate this game just as they did against Costa Rica. So I think there are some, some similarities and some differences and this is the first real test for Spain of how far they will go in this World Cup because I mean, as we've seen with England, for example, that can beat Iran 6-2 and then draw with the USA 0-0 and it looked like two completely different teams. 
this is the test for Spain to say, look, we can beat Costa Rica 7-0, but then follow it up by beating a good team like Germany. So this is kind of a, a decisive step in their in their path to, to glory, I would say. I think and not the first time that Gary Neville has put his foot in his mouth at this World Cup and in the lead-up to it either. This Spain side it obviously had Alvaro Morata on the bench. I mean, there was talk of him having a cold before the match and, and a few others that perhaps we didn't expect to see. Do you expect to see many changes from Luis Enrique, who said that he barely, he doesn't think he's ever repeated a lineup? He's got, I mean, he dropped Morata. Do you expect to see Morata back? And also that midfield, do you think it will remain the Barcelona midfield of Gavi, Pedri and Busquets? Yeah, I mean, Luis Enrique says that he can't remember ever changing it, keeping the same lineup. But I think that midfield is pretty much nailed on. I mean, I think with Coque in particular, he's one player who could come in. But I would be surprised if he came in against Germany. I think Pedri, Gavi and Busquets is definitely Luis Enrique's preferred midfield three. I think... There are two areas where we could see a change. One of them that I saw this morning reported is that Danny Carvajal might come in at right back for Cesar Espiriqueta. I think for me that's a bit of a six of one, half a dozen of another kind of change. I mean, Cesar Espiriqueta potentially a little bit stronger defensively. Danny Carvajal potentially offers a little bit more going forwards. Um, but I think that's probably the position where you could change both players and you don't lose or gain any extra quality in that Spain team. And then in attack, I think the latest talk is that Alvaro Morata will come in for Marco Asensio. I think Asensio will probably feel a bit frustrated by that. I thought he played excellently against Costa Rica. And he did come off on the hour mark, which at the time I was thinking, is that Luis Enrique saying that he's going to save him, keep him fresh for, for the Germany game? But I think a lot of that will be down to how they've both trained this week, how Morata's recovering from that cold from the air conditioning at Qatar Youth University's hotel. Um, which is one of the strangest reasons to miss a World Cup match that I've heard in a while. Um, but I think Luis Enrique's always had a huge amount of faith in Alvaro Morata, so I think he is probably his preferred starting number nine, and especially up against Germany. I mean, this isn't Costa Rica where there might be some central defenders who can be pulled around a bit more by Marco Asensio dropping deeper as a false nine, even if Marco Asensio was more of an advanced false nine, which is kind of not a false nine. But I think Alvaro Morata is more kind of that traditional number nine that can kind of make life difficult for Antonio Rudiger and, and players like that. Um, and if he drops deep, then Rudiger isn't going to follow him. He's going to let him play his game and, and then steal the ball off him later. So I think Morata might be a better match for this particular fixture. And Marco Asensio, I'm sure, will get a chance off the bench to, to make an impact because he has been in superb form for, for Real Madrid just leading up to the World Cup and now for... Spain. So I think Luis Enrique will be trying to be careful not to blunt his confidence too much. But if he's going to stick with Alvaro Morata as his first choice, which I think he will, then I suppose this is the game to make that change. You speak of Alvaro Morata kind of pulling the German defence around there, about him kind of maybe dropping deep. Do you think this is a game that Spain will hold most of the ball then? Do you think this is a this is going to be an attack versus defence and Germany will try and counter? Or do you think this will be a bit more of an even sort of one team will get the ball, the other ones will set? Or, yeah, how do you see this kind of game going? I think it will be more balanced, well, less balanced than the Costa Rica game. is almost impossible, isn't it? I think the stat was, what, 11 passes from Costa Rica in the first 15 minutes. Um, so less balanced than that, it can't be, but... I think it'll definitely be a lot more balanced, but I do think that Germany will look to to allow Spain to play a little bit and then to hit them on the counter a bit more. Um, 
and with Luis Enrique team, we know that they're more than capable of doing that, but they also sometimes in these high-profile fixtures prefer to do that themselves. Um, so I feel like it could be an interesting game in that respect. I think that's where a lot of it will come down to how Pedri and Gavi play in that midfield because they will have a lot of the ball and it's just down to what they can produce with that. If they have the runs from Dani Alamo or Ferran Torres in the wide positions to open up those spaces, then I think that would be crucial. I also think it depends on, on when the first goal comes, if there is a goal, because we've seen plenty of nil-nils in this World Cup, that if Spain score early on, then Germany will have to open up a lot more, they'll have to try and attack a lot more, have to have more of the ball and possession. Whereas if Germany score first, then I think it will be interesting to see how Spain react to that. I mean, Germany could easily score first and sit back very deep, and then we could see one-way traffic from Spain for the rest of the game if they can't find an equaliser. Yeah, ojo a Dani Olmo. I think uh, Paco Polit pointed out that Petri was probably the best against Costa Rica, but Dani Olmo's performance was, was fantastic as well. And I think he's been very, very consistent for Spain and for Luis Enrique. I think he's, a, he's a, a tool that maybe isn't the flashiest, but he tends to pop up in important places at important times. Um, just finally to wrap up this first half of the podcast before we come on to our chat with Adam Can. Predictions for this match? Who's winning or what kind of result do you see happening here, Sam? It's such a hard one to predict. Isn't it? I think I'm going to go with a Spain win. Um, I think it will probably be a... Two, let's go 2-0. I'm confident that Spain will win. Partly because I'm not so confident that Germany will pose too many, too much of a threat against the Spain defence. Um, but as I say, I feel like this game is one that's on knife edge and with so much at stake for Germany, if they... They play their best and Spain are a little bit complacent, then it could end up being 2-0 the other way, but I'm going to guess 2-0 to Spain. You've heard it here straight from the adopted Madrileño's mouth. Sam Leverage, Germany are going out of the World Cup. We'll wrap up the part one of the podcast then and we'll come on to a chat with Adam Kahn shortly after. So don't go anywhere, but let's see if he thinks Germany are also going out. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees Promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm delighted to say that we're joined again by Adam Kahn, who is quickly becoming our German football expert. Hopefully we'll get to meet him again in the final if Spain and Germany do get that far. How are you doing, Adam? Yeah, bro, I'm doing I'm doing really well. I'm not too confident on the fact that we'll be meeting again in the tournament, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that's more so to do with Germany's fate though than Spain. So yeah, looking forward to, to Sunday's matchup. Although it could potentially be our last one at the World Cup with, with anything to play for. Yeah, Germany, of course, suffering a shock defeat to Japan, which I don't think anybody saw coming, even if perhaps Germany weren't exactly impressive in the first half. I don't think anybody saw them losing the game until things kind of crumbled again. And I'm not going to lie, it did kind of remind me a little bit of that South Korea game back in the 2018 World Cup, not just because of the geographical closeness of the two countries, but just the way that it kind of played out in the way that it kind of extended and Germany got less and less sure of themselves. But what was the reaction to the defeat in Germany? I imagine it was pretty catastrophic in the papers. Yeah, I think that it feels almost easy to give it that parallel against South Korea, but in many respects, it's the exact right one. I think a big aspect is the fact that you look at when Germany conceded that 1-1 deep in, I believe, the 70th minute. And after that, at home, amongst the squad, everywhere around Germany, it just felt inevitable that Germany would go on to lose that match. Nowhere once did people even feel like we'd be able to hold on to that 1-1 draw. And then when Japan scored that eventual goal in the 83rd minute via uh, Sato, it never felt like Germany would get back in the picture, despite all the talent they have on the pitch. So, yeah, it feels like a lot of these mental fatigues that have been there since the 2018 World Cup, potentially even since the 2016 Euros or the exact minute when the 2014 World Cup triumph ended, these factors haven't been ironed out despite a coaching change and despite a major change in, in the generation of talent who's taken the pitch. Yeah, you, you mentioned the kind of that coaching change. It's obviously Hansi Flick who's in charge instead of Yogi Löw. And I think many people thought that Flick would kind of uh, revitalize this German side, that he would bring kind of a new and updated style of what Löw was bringing to the table. Where exactly did it go wrong against Japan. I saw Jasmine Babber on Twitter highlighting Nico Schlotterbeck as a potential weakness and, and that kind of turned out to be the case. Yeah, Nico Schlotterbeck's an interesting one because he's a huge talent in German football. When he was was at the end of his time at Freiburg last summer, pretty much every club around the world, England included, wanted to sign him. And he ultimately went for Dortmund, which is, is a perfect almost step between a club like Freiburg and then one of your truly elites like a Bayern or Real Madrid or one of those top six in England and yeah I mean I think that he hasn't necessarily performed at a level for club or country this season at Dalman he's been mediocre in a defense that has been leaking a lot of goals and sees Dalman outside of a Champions League spot at the time of recording and for Germany he's been extremely extremely poor in the last few games he's in the last six games now he's letting free penalties all off of his back and of course, that error that led to Asano's um, winner is is largely his fault. But I think it's too easy to pin, pin this whole game on, on Schlotterbeck. I see throughout that back line, just major, major structural issues. I look at, for example, that final goal, you see Schlotterbeck ball watching, 
David Raum pushed extremely high as he's just simply an attacking fullback who doesn't necessarily like to defend. Rudiger alongside Schlotterbeck isn't that, that vocal captain or that vocal leader like a Mats Hummels, like a Jerome Boateng was. And he's having real issues where, although he's performing well, he's not necessarily able to get the entire backline around and performing at the level. And I see Nicolas Sula as, as a right back completely out of his depth. You saw against the Japanese side who had a ton of pace and power, the likes of Takafusa Kubo and the other full and the other wieners who came on later in the match. They really, they really ran right against Nicolas Sula and as well for that final goal, just far too deep, playing like a center back when at right back, he should be higher than center backs. And he ultimately allowed Asado to stay on side and run in behind Nico Schotterbeck. Yeah, it's an interesting one to see Zula there, because I think if you compare it to sort of having like Kimmich there, who obviously has moved yeah. to central midfield, but at right back is probably still one of the best in the world, even if he is at central midfield as well. Going into the Spain game, obviously Spain came off the back of that fantastic performance against Costa Rica, but I think there's still, I mean, doubts about how much we can take from that and how much that was down to Costa Rica. How will Germany approach this? Are they going to try and come at Spain, press them and take the ball off them? Or will this be a more kind of counter-attacking style? Will they wait for Spain a little bit more? Yeah, I think a lot of the questions right now in Germany aren't necessarily tactical, but more personnel related, related because you see, for example, how Hansi Flick sets up this backline is really up in the air. Bar Rudiger, I think anybody can come in and out of that squad at the moment. And I expect a lot of change. As you mentioned, perhaps a Joshua Kimmich drops into right back, or perhaps a Tilo Kara, who's a center back, who's at the right back again, but with a bit more experience in those fullback areas. And then also you look at, for example, bringing in a focal number nine, because although Kai Havertz is extremely talented, we saw how limited he was up top against Japan. And Germany will need a, a top goal scorer to, to make do on all their chances because Germany had 22 shots in the match in Japan. So they did create a lot of chances and they did have enough quality to, to make it more than one nil. And the fact that ultimately all they had to show for it was in, in, in a penalty from not even from open play at all. That's, that's frankly not, not good enough. And you've seen in this German national team that since, since Miroslav closes retirement following the 2014 world cup, they've been, they've been longing for that focal number nine and as of Spain, I imagine they've had the same issues for at large stretches. It's just it's a big issue in major tournaments. And will it potentially be a Nicolas Fulcrude, a Josef Fulakuku, two players who didn't even make their debut before a friendly against Oman ahead of the World Cup? Will one of them potentially lead the line? Serge Nagri come on a striker. Kai Havertz again, potentially Muller going forward. So yeah, just a lot of question marks personnel-wise. And until those are kind of ironed out, it's hard to go into the tactical aspects. Where exactly do you think this game will be won and lost? I mean, Spain, they tend to, they've been pretty good against the bigger opposition, managing to dominate the ball, but not necessarily always put away their chances or still had that vulnerability at the back, which has been exploited by the opposition. Yeah, where do you think Germany can beat Spain in this match? Yeah, I think that, that as you mentioned, Germany have a ton of individual quality. Jamal Musiala is, is a future Ballon d'Or winner. The level of talent he has is, is frankly extraordinary. And Thomas Muller, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Manuel Neuer, these are players playing for arguably the best club side in the world right now. I mean, on current form, Bayern have been impeccable this season. So there's a ton of, ton of quality amongst the side. And a lot of it just comes down to how Germany operate in the final third and how Germany operate in the defensive third. Because are they able to take away the chances that they create in mass? And are they able to, to reduce the amount of times where they allow 
a talented Spain side an easy path towards gold. And I think if you put on the flip side of Spain, I think a lot of the same, a lot of the same answers were true for, for Luis and Enrique's side. So I think whoever is able to kind of master not falling into the calamities and, and also using the opportunities to make, I think that side will ultimately come out on top. And I think that Spain are arguably better placed in that respect because they don't have the pressure of needing to go out for the win. I think that if we come into the 60th minute in this, in this, in this game's a draw, which we've actually seen so often in the World Cup, these aren't necessarily high scoring matches largely. Okay, maybe for Spain so far, but I, I don't think <laughs> even with the German side, I don't think we'll be losing 7 0. I think that when you get to the latter stages of the match, match when, when Germany gets a little bit nervy and Spain has it all in their favor, it, it's, I'd like to see how Germany reacts. As we saw it in Japan, that reaction was, was, was nowhere to be seen. And if you're in Hansi Flick's shoes, who are you starting up front? Do you go for a Nicolas Fulkrug, who's the battering ram against a potentially weaker or less experienced central defence in, in Spain? I think, as I said before, I think it's tough because there's really pros and cons with, with every, every option. I think a lot of it depends on, for example, I, I could see a Serge Gnabry going up top. I think that he has experience of it from, from his time at Taste Hoffenheim and Werder Bremen. And also with, with Julian Nagelsmann's Bayern, just how fluid their system has been this season. Almost every player has has been operating a lot in that, in that final third as a, as a nine. But a lot of it depends on if, if Leroy Sané comes back in the squad. Does that only do it if you have then Sané in one of those midfield positions where then you're not giving up Nabry's ability on the wing? So I think that that's a huge loss. And if if we say that, that Sané isn't coming back, then I probably would end up going with, with Nicolas Fulker. I'm, I'm a big fan of Yusufu Makuku, but I'd rather like to hold that for, for the final minutes of the game because you see how, how easily players are fading in this tournament. I mean, the, the heat. And, and, and everything around it, the, the lack of fitness from, from a long season are, are big impacts. And yeah, although this match is played at night where it's probably a little bit cooler than, than one of these uh, 11 um, Central European summertime kickoffs, I think that there's there's a lot to be said for, for bringing Mukuku on against a tiring defense and allowing him to really, really make those runs in behind to pull this, this Spanish defense all around versus then starting Mukuku from the beginning when everybody's fit on the pitch. and seeing him fade along with everybody else when we get into the latter stages. More questions and answers over this German team by the sounds of it. Just quickly, final prediction, are Germany, well, you can give a prediction for the match, but are Germany going to be out by the time Sunday night ends? Hmm, I think that would a, would a draw, I guess I'll start with my prediction then. So I think I'm going gonna, gonna to go with a draw. I think that Germany and Spain are probably both a score. I think it'll probably end up being a 1-1 fixture, one that helps Spain a lot more than Germany. And where I don't know if you can tell me, does that mean that Germany's out of the World Cup? Or I'd, I'd, I'd go ahead and say that Japan beats Costa Rica as well. Yeah, if Japan beat Costa Rica... I think that, that means that Germany needs to beat Costa Rica about 10-0 and hope that Japan beats Spain. I, I think if they go out to Japan beating Spain, that would be quite a, quite a story and they'd feel like they can't win with one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I will wrap it up there, but thanks very much again for your time, Adam. Adam's work is excellent online. He does a lot of stuff for Breaking the Lines, and uh, yeah, I've worked with him before, as has Tom Harris. So go and follow him on Twitter. It's xxadamcanxx, and uh, and yeah, well worth a good follow if you have a little bit of Deutsches Fußball in your um, interests and curiosity. But thanks again, Adam. Yeah, pleasure to be on.
that's all from us ahead of Spain-Germany game on Sunday night at 8 o'clock Central European Standard Time. It is sure to be a partidazo. Continuing our theme of having Sunday night partidazos this season. But we'll be back shortly after the game with a review of the match. So make sure you tune in on Monday morning.